Welcome to the Call to Action Podcast, where we bring you incredible people and even more incredible stories with discussions and topics about what it takes to sacrifice everything to overcome hardships and failures to achieve success. Our guests heard the call. Now it's your turn. And here's what I really discovered. Such a great epiphany for me. People really want to do good. They want to do the right things if you give them a chance. They may have a different way of going about it. They may believe things that you don't believe. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them wrong. It just makes it different. And if you can look at things that, from that uh, that standpoint that people can do things in different ways, you gain a power, a personal power, where you can never fail because you're just another person doing another thing in another way, man. Yeah. And maybe you discovered something that didn't work. That's just another path along your way to success. It's okay. You know, That's the attitude people need to have and need to take away from what they're doing. He is currently the CEO and co-founder of Rankopedia, a software ranking platform that ranks professionals in various health industries in a non-biased source of knowledge for end consumers to compare and select their doctors wisely, free of all marketing agendas. His entrepreneurial journey started when he founded the original Ticketmaster platform, the event and scheduling platform, and exited in the late 1990s, which was just one of the milestones his successful technology solutions business have produced over the last 30 years. He is also the executive producer and CEO of BAM Productions, Being a Man, and hosted the Love and Sex TV and radio show where he would teach men how to approach, pick up, and have more meaningful intimacy with women. He's even written a book about it called Being a Man in a Woman's World, available on Amazon. He is the real-life hitch, just the sexual version, and as legend has it, his famous saying, before you bag her, sheath your dagger, is tattooed on his mini Dr. D., Please welcome our next guest and good friend of the show, Dr. Dennis Nieder. Man, what a thrill to be with the great comedy team of Ben and Keith again, guys. Good to see you. <laughs> you too, man. You too. It's been a minute. Woo! Been a minute. How you doing, man? You hanging in there? You know- I'm just waiting for the time we can get out and have another drink because, well, we need to. You know? Absolutely, Yes, man. sir. The last time that happened, we were out a few hours too late. <laughs> A few drinks too much, but it's always a good story with our man Dennis Nieder, man. That was but that's you're much still needed. married. So I am. That is a, that's a testament. <laughs> I learned some new things to use on her though. So, you oh, know, really? thanks thanks to the man. Oh, yeah. there, oh, there you go. You had some juicy stories. I'd like to relive here if we can, but uh, before we jump into your brilliant story, how you got to where you are, we're going to put you through a thing we call the brain freeze frenzy. It's a wild Can't. array of random questions popped off random style. Are you ready? Let's do it. What's one of the best things that you've learned about yourself during the quarantine? And then one thing you've allowed yourself to splurge or be relaxed on. Okay. One of the first, the very best things I've learned is that I'm really comfortable being by myself. You know, a lot of people are talking about being lonely. And here's what I've discovered. The only time you're ever lonely is when you're by yourself and you don't like the company. And I like the company, man. I've got a lot of things to do and uh, it's very exciting and it gives me a chance to focus on getting those things done. And, it's quality work. There's no reason to uh, to sit around being lonely because there's so many things to do. Absolutely. Know? Have you have you yeah, allowed man. yourself a little bit of leeway to to kind of chill out on some things that maybe you would overstress yourself about? Or are you just kind of a calm, chill guy regardless? 
well, you know, I'm kind of high energy anyway, I, I, but I, I never really stress about anything. <clears throat> what I find is that the more, the more I am active or doing things, the less stress I have. I'm always, you know, working on my projects. I've got a long list of them and, and going after it and it feels good. Hell yeah. So yeah. You yeah. certainly are a man of many, many things. Well, you know, in the number of years I have, one of these guys, these, these days, you guys will understand. You really can get a lot done, you know? Oh, man. I'm finding that out. Oh, Hopefully yeah. a little bit of that uh, early on here. It's it's so true. Right now, it's like the best time to to crack down and get stuff done. Hey, man. No, no kidding. Absolutely. Now, now is the time to be doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on that, man, what is your wickedly successful morning routine? What really gets you going yep. in the morning? You know what I do? The very first thing I do is I sit down at the computer. I really do. I get up and I sit down at the computer and I just review what I need to get done that day. And a lot of people spend like a half hour, which is crazy. I, I spend three minutes just reviewing the things I've, I've got to get done, what my goals are going to be for that morning. Um, then I get up and I do a little bit of exercise, you know, a little, uh, you know, some stretching and stuff. I take the dog for the walk, whatever, and get some coffee. And um, then I come back and I already have the, the thing set. And I start with the very first thing in the list and I go straight through it. Um, you know, one of the things that I've really done over the years I'm really good at is I can sit down and focus I mean, a large amount of time without outside interruptions. I'm not constantly being drugged by the phone or the email or, you know, whatever's mm. happening. I can put all that stuff aside and really focus. That's a, I, if you need a skill to survive this quarantine or life in general, learn that skill. Learn to focus and cut out all the things that are not important. And by the way, the phone, texting, email, these are not priorities, man. They are not priorities. Distractions. Yes. I've actually had to learn that one uh, recently where, uh, you know, I stopped looking, I'll, I'll block off windows of time in my day and I just, I don't look at my phone or my emails. I'm just locked in and my God, the pr- productivity has just gone substantially. It's gotten, gotten better. So I've definitely gotten more done during those blocks of time than I would otherwise. So, but Ben, I got to ask you, now, how hard was that to do? It was pretty hard the first couple yeah. of days you find yourself you know i'm 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 pretty good at breaking like little mini habits if you will uh where if if i know it's not good for me i'm just like all right don't need this let's move on boom i can break it off because of practice i've done this just my whole life I've always been like that um but you know i did find myself a few times on you know instagram or on my email or what whatnot and i'm just all right, Ben, what are you doing? You're wasting, you just wasted 30 minutes. You can't get that back. Like that, what a stupid thing. So it's, it's a, it's an evolutional process, but you, you once you get in that rhythm and you lock it down, it's you, nothing else matters. It's just tunnel it's vision. You're locked in, I mean, you know, your brain really wants to do that. You know, it's all this other outside influence that we just give away our attention and energy and emotion and everything else. And if you just let your brain do what it wants to, which is just focus on a thing and do it, do it well, you just, you generally tend to do it, but you got to get out of your head and do it. 100%. I know that's I mean, the Keith, truth. Keith's a lot more like me. You know, Keith, Keith's probably able to, to uh, go to a project and then put it aside, move to the next project. And he's, he, you know, he's much more chunky like that, where you're more yeah. of a flow, kind of a linear person. That linearness tends to drag you out of that, you know, that real focus. And so it's hard. I understand. Yeah, I can for sure. Now, this being the brain freeze frenzy, it's going to throw you all over the place. Hopefully, the goal is to make make you at some point not be able to answer, but you, you seem like a seasoned vet, so I don't think it's going to phase you. So what's the wildest yeah, place this guy. <laughs> and story you either and or have gotten a girl's number and or had sex? You being the okay. love doctor as well as 
a, yeah. a traditional doctor. Oh, I've done a lot of that sort of thing. I had sex one time in a uh, in the dairy section of a Rouse market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, You've elaborated yeah. slightly, please. How, how did that play out? Yeah, well, my girlfriend and I were there and, and we're kind of just playing around. It wasn't really crowded. It was you know, later at night and uh, she was bent over and I just kind of you know, pulled up the dress. Hey, man. All right. That's good. That was good stuff. <laughs> Holy yeah. moly. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Getting numbers, you know, getting numbers is easy. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys think it's really hard to go up and ask somebody for their number, but it's, it's not. You know, the problem, what's tough is getting the real number. You know, a lot of people go up there and, and right. talk to somebody and then a girl will give them some number randomly. But see, there's an easy way to handle that. What you do is you pull your cell phone out and say, fine, here, uh, I'm going to call you so you have my number. There, there you, you go. go. And now their phone doesn't ring. You say, wait a minute. You know? If it's not the right number, what do you what do you do? You just go, come here and grab her and <laughs> make her put the right number in or what? If you're that kind of person, this is good. I don't want your number. But if you're not this kind of person, give me a real number. It's your choice. There you go. True. Now what's she gonna do? True. There. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna give me your number. That's on, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll give you my number right now. <laughs> hey, and on that, what is the craziest non-logical pickup advice that's worked for a client of yours? And also, what is the worst pickup line oh, to okay. use? Okay. Let me answer it in the in a form of a story. I went, went once went to a bar dressed yes. in pajamas, slippers, and a bathrobe. <laughs> Now, you laugh, but I got to tell you, I had more tension that night than I've ever had. Everybody no, had a similar me. story, but that's why I'm laughing. And it wasn't you by know? wasn't boy choice. It was just by sheer accident <laughs> for me. But it's not it's not false. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Am I wearing my pants? It's like the, the Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, hey, look, you know, you you'd be surprised. The problem is that everybody wants to be all the same, and and what makes you great makes you different. So mm. don't be the same. Don't, don't, you know, it's okay to stand out. I was at a, a bar one time and, and there's this cute girl behind me. And as we walked up to the, uh, the check-in for the, you know, we'll see how old you are. Uh, he asked, are you guys together? And I said, well, not yet. And I walked in and yeah, hell we were together later on. You know, the thing is you've got to just be kind of, you know, unconventional and it's okay to stand out and to, and to say crazy things. Mm. Like, you know, I've got so many of these kinds of stories. I was in an elevator one time and it, make the story, long story short. So I, I was in San Francisco with my girlfriend and we had been there for about a week or whatever. We were exhausted one night. We didn't want to go out for dinner. So, uh, so she said, well, let's, let's get a pizza. Oh, fine. So I called a pizza place and had it, had it delivered. Well, it happened to be during prom and at the hotel we were at the Mayflower, which is a nice hotel on top of Knob Hill. Uh, the place was packed with limos and all this other stuff. People were trying to get in. Right. So, I get a call from the pizza place. They said, well, we can't, we're having trouble getting to the place. Can you meet us outside? Yeah, no problem. So I'm in shorts and flip-flops. I walk down, you know, and get the pizza and walk in. So I get in the elevator. And uh, as soon as I walk in, this these two older couples walk in. And they are dressed all in black tie and tails, man. It was just to the nines, right? And as soon as the door closes, the guy says to his wife, hmm, imagine that pizza at the Fairmont. I said, oh, imagine that. Snobs, the Fairmont. <laughs> nice. Why still alive? Yeah, he's like that all the time, you know. And you know. Oh, she said that. Yeah, she said that. You know, you can talk to anybody anywhere. I mean, it, but you have to practice doing it. People all they walk around with right. their faces down on their phones, and you know they they don't want right. to talk to anybody. They pretend like they're on the. Don't do that. I mean, 
there's experienced life for God's sakes. There's all kinds of great stuff going on. And that's where you have your opportunities and you never know when they come up. And if you're not there to take mm. it, it goes to somebody else like me. And got to yeah. have that game in the back pocket, as you always say, huh? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The world didn't used to be this way with everybody on their cell phones. Listen, cell phones are great. I mean, I love mobile tech. I just love technology in general. You know, it's a big part of my life. But the problem is that we use technology as an excuse to not engage or to hide or to, you know, to be insecure, which is crazy. I mean, people think that being introverted is being insecure and it's not. Mm. It is a totally different thing. Being introverted means that you energize when you're on your own, when you're mm -hmm. by yourself. But that you can't right. be engaging and outgoing a lot too. But you got to get your head out of your phone, man. You got to get your head into into the game. Situational so, yeah. awareness yep. as well. I mean, just logically speaking as well. I mean, be aware of your surroundings for both, you know, for those reasons, for, you know, safety reasons, et cetera. But uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty right, man. There, there's got to be a time and a place for everything. Switching mm -hmm. gears, what has been one of the great and one shitty piece of advice, that leadership advice that you've been given over your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. Okay, well, the, probably the greatest piece of advice that I've ever been given, again, is to know what it is you want to get out of any interaction. Now, imagine this. doesn't matter whether you're talking to a friend or talking, meeting a girl, whether you're starting a company you want to talk. Just know what it is, what the basic thing is you want to get out. And all you want to do, all you need to do is just focus and moving that conversation towards that goal. That's all you need to do. Mm. How simple is that, right? But we tend to get so... You know, we're all over the place and we're getting questions thrown at us like on this interview and you've got to respond to them and stuff, you know, but the reality is just know what you want to get out of it. And when you know yeah. what that is, you're done. Shittiest piece of advice I've ever been given is you need to work, you know, um, all the time. You need to be, you need to always be on. You need to, no, you don't. You know, you, if you love what you do and I do love what I do, man, I've got the second best job in the whole world. Seriously. Um, What's the first? the first? Well, see, I used to think I had the best job in the world, right? And okay. then one day I was looking at a package of condoms and said, pre-tested. <laughs> now that, see, that would, now that would be the best, best job in the world, right? But, but see, it next to that, be. mine is the best. It would but be. See, the, but, it, but the thing is that, you know, if you don't disengage, if you don't let yourself have the luxury of going on to the things, your mind just gets so static and so, you know, so un, uh, uncreative that you can't do the things you need to do. You can't recognize talent when you find it. You can't recognize mm. opportunities because you're just so linear. You've got to not work all the time. You know, absolutely. Gotta play. In fact, I think that, yeah. that if you are not playing, not having as much fun as you are working, in other words, 50, 50, you're totally, your, your uh, priorities are totally fucked up, man. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Amen. And Kind of related to this, would you have rather have held on to Ticketmaster for 10 more years or enjoyed a weekend getaway with your favorite female actress where anything was go? Seriously? <laughs> Do you really have to ask that question? <laughs> Look, you know, I'll tell you what happens with all this. This is one of those other things. You have to let things go when, they, when, they're, when they're mature. Everybody yep. has their skill set, you know, and you need to realize what that skill set is. So one of the things that I'm really good at is starting companies and building them up, and then I move them on to somebody who can take them to whatever the next level will be. That's my skill set. I don't need to be the guy that takes it public because I don't do that. That's not what I do. And so For thinking sure. in my yep. own arrogant mind, and I'm pretty pompous and arrogant, trust me, <laughs> but thinking that I'm the guy who can do that would be total failure. You've got to know when you, when you get to the point, bring in the people who do the job that you can't and get the fuck out of the way. 
this is such like I just want for anyone that's listening to take and rewind this part and listen to it over and over and over until you believe the same thing that Dr. Nieder just said. Because I feel like, especially with the social media era, with the Gen Zs now that We've just interviewed a very successful gen, a couple of them, uh, Gen Zs who started companies and doing some pretty cool stuff and, uh, both, you know, New York, here in LA, et cetera. But I feel like, and, and they're very self aware, but not this level self aware. And this level self aware is much more valuable, like on any plane, on any environment, on any playing surface. Like this is so important to realize your strengths, utilize them to the utmost ability. Now, sure, you can deviate and try new things and maybe grow. But at the end of the day, you are who you are. Like you have a skill set, you have a psychology, you have a foundation built, utilize that. And it's enough. Like that's the best part. It's enough. And then find what you need that you don't have. There, I mean, there's, there are so many yeah. creative people out there, so many incredibly skilled people out there. Um, but you know, you don't have to do everything. No. You have to do what you do well. <laughs> By the way, there are certain minimum skills you should have if you're going to be in business. You should know how to market, for example, and how to sell. That's important. You know, you should know, of course, your industry and and the things going on with what your what your product does or what your service is or whatever. But beyond that, there's a whole wealth of talent out there. Don't deny your company the benefit of talent. Get get in what you need. You know, I'll, on the flip side, I've got to say one other thing to that, though. I've always told people that, you know, if there's a, say, an attribute about somebody or a personality trait or something that you envy or covet in other people, adopt it. Just simply say, you know what? Hey, I love the way that guy is so outgoing. Yeah. Now you just tell yourself, you know what? I am now outgoing. I'm, I'm now going to be outgoing. People make a mistake. They say, I'm going to lose weight. No, you're not. You're not going to lose weight. You can't, your mind can't understand the concept of ridding or negativity or whatever. It's, it's all based on positive. Mm-hmm. You can simply say, man, I'm getting thin, a positive concept. Wow. I'm, I'm eating more healthy. Uh, those kinds of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, I, I'm going to reward myself because I was really outgoing today. That was really cool. I talked to that person. I went ahead and, and talked to that girl. Didn't get her number, but I talked to her. Ooh, I got that girl's number. That's cool. Ooh, I called her today. And it, the outcomes are irrelevant. The fact you did the thing yeah. is really what's valuable. You know, the, and you need to reward yourself for that. It's worthwhile. That's sage Ooh, advice, like man. Uh, what's the funniest thing an angry, hateful feminist has said on your love and sex show? Oh man, I, I've got to tell you, the problem is we've done this for a lot of years. So I've had lots of this, you know, to pick one would be tough to do. Um, Maybe one of the best then. Here's, here's one, uh, here's one I think is one of the best ones. Cause it has a, has a lesson in it too. Okay. Um, was talking with this feminist host that was really getting nowhere. And I understand. You know, and the problem is a, a lot about a lot of issues about feminism. The foundations were great. The results were poor. So, and that's what, what uh, feminism is fighting with today. But so this is great. So she goes, you know what your problem is, Dr. Netter? You know what your problem is? You don't respect women. And I said, well, it's not a problem, but you're right. I don't respect women. So you'll see, I knew it. And I said, well, hold on. I don't respect bakers or, you know, Republicans or people who row boats or anything else either. I don't respect any group of people. I respect individuals only and only then based on what they say, think, or do. 
So I don't respect any group. And to say you respect women, you're an idiot. If you, if you say that or think it, how many women can I give you an example of that you, that you would never want to respect? How about it's Lorena Bobbitt? How about uh, the one that yeah. uh, just drowned three of her kids? I mean, you're going to respect those women because they're women. It's like people get, want to give all this power to single mothers because they're single mothers. But yeah, what they stop, don't stop and think is they didn't make good choices when they met their, the father of their kids in the first place or they weren't able to keep the thing together. That weighs something too. Yeah, I mean, I'm For not sure. saying that single mothers are bad people by any stretch. Of course, they're good and they're bad in, in all ways. But let's look at things in perspective. Let's understand that there not is a generalities. balance on both sides. Right. Look, look at That's the case, it. not the general statement, blanket statement. That's the problem with yeah. everything. I, you know, that's a lot of the problems going on even right now. It's like, you know, all of these, I, I don't want to dive too deep in. We'll, we got to finish up this uh, thing. We only got a couple more left. So I want to get you hear your story, but hell yeah. Hey, us too. But you know, it's just, it's, it's similar to, and it, and it definitely mirrors a lot of the problems right now with, with all of the, you know, police brutality issues and things like that. And yes, there are some bad apples, 100%, but it is not the, the whole and by any stretch of the imagination, yet the whole is being punished. And when you start breaking down and really looking into the evidence of these situations, like the Brenna Taylor issue, granted, that should not have ever happened. But why isn't the ex-boyfriend held extremely responsible? There are many witnesses that stated that there was a knock. That it was not just some random bust through murder scene that doesn't even quite make sense to me, nor does it to any statement given. Even the ex-boyfriend said uh, that it had happened, that a knock was there. Neighbor said it as well. And that he fired out from inside, you know, the home outward. Yet we don't hear the facts like after it said the media construes this whole big conspiracy they drive down that single lane road yet they don't see the big picture it takes like years later to really have calmed down look at it from an objective standpoint versus having your perspective and saying look i'm not going to respect the police nor am i going to respect brenna or her ex-boyfriend yet let's look at the facts and then deduce from there what to move on from like you know she should not have been killed right should not have, but her ex-boyfriend did not put them in a great position to survive. Also by putting her in front of him, you know what I mean? Like there's just those types of scenarios in our countries in, in a complete windfall right now because they're not taking this approach. So I, I totally, I can totally agree with your approach on that for sure. Very, very well said. Respect the. Sorry, individual. that was a long-winded answer, yeah. but I just felt it's been on my mind. I, I hear these things on the news all the time. Yet, I've done my research. I've read. I've read the actual studies. I've read the actual reports. Uh, I follow a lot of these YouTubers that that take the time to really do this, who are well connected. Uh, one to which we have coming on next week, who's pretty big YouTuber guy and he a uh, political guy, and and he's he's African American himself, and he doesn't agree that. Uh, himself that it that it was the the way that the media portrayed. So, anyways, long story short, Wait, listen, I got hit. That, that is a great, great, important show. I'm going to watch that show because again, I'll what's happening is we become a world of opinion, not a world of fact. Fact is, I right. feel, I, I think, I you know, my sense is, I want something to be true. Therefore, what you're yep. saying is exactly true. We've got to get we've got to get ourselves away from that. You guys have because you're entrepreneurs. You have to. You have to look at things from a reality based. You can't love your product enough to you make it no sell choice. if you're not going to do the work to sell it. You know mm -hmm. that. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, just on that too, let's get up to your next kind of, you know, your, your big endeavor, Rankopedia. If you could Rankopedia the coronavirus, <laughs> what would it say? Rankopedia would rank Maybe you the coronavirus have already. very, very high on hype. It, it, would, rank, <laughs> it would rank in, in the, you know, Hundreds of a percentile in in uh, hype because you know the reality is this, you know I'm a doctor I've got a, got a medical background. Um, the flu last year killed millions of people. Corona, no, what two hundred thousand we just passed? See the reality yep. again. It this is all about hype. Before uh, we started the recording, I, mean, I mentioned the, the fact that the day after the election, it's all going to go away, and it will because this is not about a disease. It is about a, uh, a political situation. Um, you know, this is one thing that uh, you can never give a politician. Remember, I was one. 17 years, I was a commissioner for LA County. You can never give a politician any amount of power. He will not we need use. you back. That's the bottom line. So if you, if, if, a, if you give them this much power, they will take this much. So you've got to keep capping this. You can't allow it to continue to grow. And that's what's happened across the country. We see these uh, these governors and these mayors that are ignoring the problems and they are promoting more problems, which result in this case in death and rape and just uh, destruction of property and business and livelihoods. And here we all are in lockdown over it's something sad. that kills 0.001% of the population. Um, what's the, where's the logic here? There is none. I mean, do you guys feel differently about that? I'd love to know what you think. Hey man, I think you said that very concisely. Uh, I'm with you. It, you know, if you look, if you look at the numbers, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that the danger is any less than it was today after the election. Uh, but we all, we all can kind of see how the cards are going to fall there. You're just going to stop hearing about it, like it's not a yeah, thing anymore. Right. I, I kind of, I, I definitely agree with, with a lot. Um, the one thing is that my wife is a physician. She kind of hears all of the extreme cases. So I get to hear about their private you know, physician groups on Facebook and their conversations and, you know, the, the kind of one-off groups that do get really sick and, you know, young, young firefighter, right. male firefighters, 25 years old that had to go to the ER and like almost lose his life to the brink of literally like was flatlined for a bit and like had to get them back up. So, I mean, but I also understand from the other side that that's a pretty unique case. That's not the majority and that there probably were some kind of underlying health issues that were exacerbated by the, the, the virus itself. Um, but influenza does this. And that's the other thing is like, it's, it's really tough. And then there's different strains of it. Right. So like, different strains have different severity levels and it's, it's just, but I think what you're getting at though, as well is like when, for instance, when I'm outside and I'm running with my dogs or something, I'm not going to wear a mask outside. Like you're not going to catch me doing it. Sorry, not happening. Uh, but I get yelled at by, you know, I'm not going to put a name on it. There is a name floating around, you know, the, type of person that would yell at you and do this. So I want to get away from that. Cause I have a friend named the same. Here's your I have ticket. A friend bro. Named that. So I, I want to respect her because it, she's gotten some baggage for it, I think. But, um, but you get what I'm talking about. Uh-oh. Like, don't, don't be a dick about it. Like I'll, I'm respectful. If I go to the grocery store, I'll wear my mask, like to make everyone else feel safe and squishy and all that. But at the end of the day, man, like 
I haven't caught it. I don't really know many people around me that have. Uh, everyone's been fine and people have traveled and gone really crazy places all the time. I don't know. I don't know. Look, kinda, we just had, I heard alcohol. Ago, we just had it. a, uh, our, our big company meeting. We had everybody in from around the world in uh, San Diego. We, and nobody got sick. I'm see the, the, and these people flew on, on airplanes and, and drove in cars and, and whatever. I mean, we're out, we're out drinking and, and partying <gasps> and stuff. Mm-hmm. The reality is again, I, I get it. You know, Enough if alcohol you're afraid, if, if, and keep in mind, that's the media's number one job is to make you afraid of the next thing or this thing or whatever yep. it is. That's what it's about. Yep. If you are afraid, okay, I get it. I, I'm sorry you're, you, that you feel that way. The reality is that, that facts will set you free. Learning the, the truth will set you free. You don't have to be afraid, but you know, and, and there's, there is a respect aspect. On the other hand, there's the reality we're living with. And you look at the damage being done in terms of, you know, the fact that our immune systems are actually being weakened by doing this, not, mm-hmm. not bon- uh, bolstered. We're not getting the influences of other things coming in at the same time. That's going to hurt us long, uh, long-term down the road. You know, there's a lot of other things to be afraid of. If you want to be afraid. Going hungry said, from not being able to yeah, work. Ki- killer, killer wasps. Yeah. I thought killer bees were coming through over here on, on Silicon beach. That was a big thing for a while. Like, Oh, don't go outside. It was like, Oh, what? Cause of coronavirus. No, killer <laughs> bees. What, what, what happened to the, what the, uh, yeah, the killer wasps or hurricanes? Jesus. I've, I haven't seen one yet. I mean, yeah. th- thank goodness. But, but cause I, cause I don't want to die from a wasp sting. <laughs> well, the last couple here, as you stated, the number one job that you said was uh, the used condoms, you know, testing those bad condom boys, testing. Yeah, condom testing. So on that note, <laughs> we actually had a uh, brain freeze frenzy question prepared in line with that. You seem to be a fan of male contraceptives, as are mm-hmm. some of our audience. Um, if you had to choose quickly one from the following selection of condoms at the store because you had a mad, you know, hot and ready female in the car, couldn't wait much longer, which would it be? One, the camo condom with the tagline, don't let them see you coming. Two, the world's smallest condom for that little prick in your life. Three, the cop condom to protect and to serve. Or nice. four, nice. the kangaroo condom. When you come from the gland down under, which one oh. would you choose? <laughs> oh, I gotta go with kangaroo. That's fucking awesome. Man. So let me give you a little backstory to these. I have yep. a friend who is also <laughs> oh, here we go. a doctor, and I'm not gonna say his name. He asked me not to, but a longtime friend. He actually had a business back in the day of producing these and he sold these when, you know, before anyone else was doing this, before Trojan was out there, before anyone. And they had these funny condoms that you could buy and uh, they would go sell them. And they did. They did very, 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 very well. And uh, so I asked him to give me some of the best ones. And so he he gave me those uh those were some of them. They also had like a masturbation kit with like a glove, uh, some wipes and, yes. and something else. And, and then the the actual masturbator condom. And it was like, uh, you know, it was funny ass tagline. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like they had this whole line of stuff and it was crazy, crazy story. Any, if, this must be what yeah, you were doing, great, you know? Yeah, for sure. The reality is of any birth control, the, the power of birth control isn't just preventing unwanted pregnancies. It's giving you control. It's giving mm-hmm. you control in your life, you know, that you don't otherwise have. And, and why would you give up control? I mean, I know people want to do it all the time. They want to vote politicians in, they want to take more control from you. Don't do that. 
take control and, and own your life and own the benefits of it and then reel in the success, yeah. including using condoms, man. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Man. Yeah. What is one positive thing you can say about yourself today? Doctor? Um, gosh, uh, I'm not Chinese. They've been having all kinds of problems recently, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's not, it's not, it's not why don't you let me do that? That's not right. Come on. No, I love the Chinese. Hey, you know, one positive thing I can say about myself is that, again, the fact that, that, uh, you know, I feel great. I love what I do. Again, I really have got the best job and the best life. I'll tell you, it's, it's fantastic. It doesn't suck to be Dr. Dennis. I'm just saying. Man. Does not. I've seen it in action. There it is. Oh, <laughs> well. Yeah. And, and yeah, you look man, great, you, man. You survived the brain freeze frenzy unscathed. You're looking so fine. You're looking survive. great. <laughs> thanks for thanks for putting up with those crazy questions, man. We just we got to get that gray matter warmed up so now we can relax a little mm -hmm. bit, have a sip, hear about your uh, your story. So why don't you paint us that picture for for us and our audience? You know where where did the the life of young Dennis start? You know where did you grow up? What were your parents like? And uh, like what kind of got you to where you are today? The big milestones. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give you the big beach, you know. Of course, when I was born, I was very young when I was born, which is convenient. My mother was little, so convenient. Torn, I'm a hole, I'm that. Um, you know, when I was six years old, my folks, my, my uh, father and my mother divorced. And I was six years old, so I didn't have like the mentality of what that all meant. But, um, you know, but I kind of understood they're not going to be together, right? So my, uh, my mother remarried and she moved. I was in Glendale at the time, Glendale, California, and moved uh, about an hour and a half away to the Antelope Valley, right? Uh, but I found him anyway. Good thing. Really? You know? Yeah. So anyway, so I was up there until I was 17, then came back down and, and went to med school. And and he uh, was working at Lockheed uh, studying. Uh, she was in scientific computing, which is where I got my computing background. Wow. So I learned to write code there and, and operate computers while I was going to school. <clears throat> and I'd been playing, you know, playing music by the time. And there's a lot of hodgepodge in here as well. I played professionally for a number of years and, uh, did you know the medicine and started various companies and whatever. Um, in uh, 1999, I wrote my first book. Actually, it's over my shoulder there, Being a Man in a Woman's World. And uh, that book began a, a whole other process in my my own life, which included TV and radio. We started shows. We actually have, uh, we're doing shows now. And uh, we have a script we're marketing and the, the usual things. That's really been cool. Got a great team on that. Uh, in fact, kind of cool. I'll tell you about Rankpedia in a moment, but we've actually now adopted the uh, multimedia component with my producer into Rankpedia. So we're actually doing that as part of our product. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 is it, can we take a little bit of a slower approach? Can we talk about kind of like no, what? Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, you know, Sorry. because I want to understand because, you know, being a man in a woman's world and, and these types of things, um, they're pretty pretty pivotal. And I feel like there were some moments possibly in your life that got you to the point feeling the urge to write a book because writing a book isn't easy, right? Writing an essay isn't easy as all college students know. So writing, writing a your book, name is easy sometimes. <laughs> for me, yes, that's true. But uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, like what, what was the young, did the young Dennis have a lot of, because today it's Dennis, Dr. Dennis Nieder is, you know, a confident, cool, collected individual. He's really intelligent. He writes code. He's produced some big companies. He's got a really funny show, which I want to hear about where that is now, but like that doesn't just happen overnight. Right. So like, did you have things happen? Cause our, 
show is also, you know, call to action. It's not just a, a double entendre of, you know, just a simple button. You know what I mean? It's, it's not just a simple meaning of, of code that we are playing off of, but also it's the call to action to like face things in life, overcome them and just repeat. Mm-hmm. Cause they're always going to keep coming. So were there things in your childhood, maybe harder moments where like maybe a girl, I don't know, broke up with you and it was a hard breakup. And that was kind of the start of like, Hmm, I need to build self-confidence, right? Like it's not going to come from somebody else. It's going to come from me. So I gotta, I gotta build it from within. Were there any moments like that growing up? Only a whole bunch. Pretty much every day you have that. Doesn't everybody go through that all the time? We all have times when we question our abilities or question what we what we can do, you know, um, uh, quick aside. So you, uh, you may have, may have heard of a movie years ago called Camelot, right? Camelot was about, you know, King Arthur and yeah. the round table and that sort of thing. Well, it was played by again, Richard Burton. I saw that one of the original productions, you know, and there's a song getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Anyway, in the song, it's, he's, uh, talking about his experience to, to kind of, jump into the middle of the round table. He wants to be a knight and all that and go up and meet the king. But in, in the production, in the live production, he says, he sings, getting to know me, getting to know all about me. The point being, you know, Hey, that it's, that I'm not a bad guy and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to benefit by getting to know me as much as I'm going to be getting benefit from knowing you too. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have those little bits of trepidation. We all have that, that little bit of insecurity that, that pops in. It's what you do with it that makes a difference. So yeah, I mean, in my life, I've gone through many of those things, times when, you know, things crashed and you can either sit down and say, oh, well, that's it. I'm just going to give up. But you really can't give up. You got to do something. So you wind up having to pick yourself up someplace and it just depends how long you're going to do that. Well, one For thing sure. I'm really good at is picking myself up like right now. I don't sit around and cry about things for very long. I don't, I'm not upset about things. I don't get angry for long periods of time. I don't hold grudges for years or anything like that. I just decide what I want. And then that's what I'm going to go after. Mm. And my young life really kind of gave me that, you know, it's like, I knew where babies came from when I was six, because I knew I wanted to study medicine and I wasn't afraid to ask. My parents weren't afraid to tell me, uh, I knew, you know, a lot of things, I think just in terms of the way that the world worked, because I'm good at asking questions. One thing that a lot of people don't do is because they're afraid of, of somehow, you know, like coming off as ignorant or, you know, somehow maybe a rubbish or whatever, ask people questions. And mm-hmm. Even if you think you know the answer, ask them. It's okay to hear their perspective. And I'll tell you what, if you listen to somebody, really listen to what they have to say, you're going to be fucking amazed at what they really think and how people really are. People are really amazing. I got to tell you a great story, by the way, along that line. So, as I mentioned, I was a commissioner for uh, in LA County for 17 years. I was chairing the Workforce Investment Board, which is uh, technically the employment department you know, of, of the country. So I was serving on a board with 52 uh, other members, most of them huge, far off to the left, way on the far left liberals, and a few conservatives, you know. And here's what I really discovered. It was such a great epiphany, epiphany for me. People really want to do good. They want to do the right things if you give them a chance. They may have a different way of going about it. They may believe things that you don't believe. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them wrong. It just makes it different. And if you can look at things that, from that, uh, that standpoint that people can do things in different ways, you gain a power, a personal power, where you can never fail because you're just another person doing another thing in another way, man. Yeah. And maybe you discovered something that didn't work. That's just another path along your way to success. It's okay. You know, that's the attitude people need to have and need to take away from what they're doing. 
Well, that's good leadership. Well, that's good leadership, you know, because I feel like, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, being a good leader is also knowing where you're like you were, you, you, uh, so eloquently stated prior is like, you know what you're good at and then you rely on the people around you to help you and support you in the areas that you're not good at. And you let them take the reins and you trust them and you're, you know that, yeah, they might fail a little bit out of, out of line, but at the end of the day, they're moving towards the same goal. Right. And like, you'll help guide them if they go a little bit too far off, if they're too much of an outlier, but most likely they're not going to be, and they might actually open the door to something even you didn't see. So it's putting trust and faith into the people around you. And that's you. the trait so of a good leader. So- I've got to ask you both. This is a great question. Tell me what you think about this. Okay. Um, how do you handle when your employees fail? What what's the what's the company response? What are your what's your individual and company? The leader fails. Whoever mm-hmm. whoever's at the top of the spear fails. That's right. That's it. Keep the spear. That's right. It, That's right. the, the responsibility, the responsibility is up. It's never, it's never down. Like, sure. Maybe they didn't have to, I, I like whatever the scenario is. Maybe they, let's say an engineer wrote a poor line of code or, or didn't, didn't QA check something or a designer had a piece of graphic design that was like, I don't know, not formatted properly. Right. It's not necessarily their fault. You should have gone through, prepare them to the point where there's a checklist of things to do if you are the leader to give them the best chance for success. You're always, if you're leading something, it's your fault. You take the bite. That's your position because you're making the big bucks most likely, right? Like That's they're true. working, they're, you're working for them. It's not them working for you really. That's when it you comes know, down to, in my, in my experience. Really what I think a lot of people don't don't think about, and I'm going to bring this up because I think it's a, a good example of that. Um, what a lot of people don't really think about is the fact that failure is part of their training per, uh, period. You know, you're never when you when you are not the owner of the company, you are always in training. You're always learning to gain more to to move up to whatever your your height is going to be in that company in life in general. Yes. So, tra- uh, failure is part of training, and if you try to make everything where people don't fail. You, you give them the responsibility as though they can't fail. They never learn. They can never grow either. And neither does your company. Mm-hmm. You know, you asked me earlier uh, about one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got. I got to tell you, this is kind of an interesting one because uh, there's Send one it. company that it became very, very – they're a copier company. I won't get into detail of who they are. But uh, the owner was this guy who didn't even graduate high school – he was a, a street thug, literally, and, and ran his company that way. People were terrified of this guy. He was a real thug, and he was, too. Hmm. Um, I, I don't even tell you the terrible stories about this guy. But one thing he did tell me. Feel free. Them, uh, this is also a therapeutic channel, and uh, we let people talk shit all they want to. So I feel like you should be laying down on a couch. <laughs> Close so, your eyes if you feel that, like it. That I walked away with so powerful <laughs> was this, you know, that that. As you grow your company, the team you have gets you to that company. That's where you are. But when you when you reach the plateau or the ability of that, of that team, you've got to start looking at the next level and understand you need additional talent yeah. to get there. Now, you either train from within right. or you hire from outside to make it happen, one of the way. But your team will not do more than they can do if they have not changed or grown. Mm. There it is. You're going to stay where you are. 100%. So on that- so, what was 
what was the path leading up to like, for instance, you, you building, you know, even Ticketmasters up until Rankopedia, like what you got, what got you into coding? Were, were you just sitting around as a young kid, like interested in it? Or did it happen while you were in medical school? And you're like, what is this? You know, uh, you remember like LimeWire? The uh, oh, the yeah. music, the free rip. That's what got oh, me yeah. into like getting free stuff and being creative on how I would rip things off the internet and and really diving into computers. Like I didn't, I wasn't really interested in in how things work in that sense. I was more on the athletic side. I was kind of a jock growing up, but uh, and also a musician a little bit. But uh, what what got you into coding? I mean, that's that's such a different path than than the medical path. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, when at the time I was getting ready to go to medical medical school, I I should explain. My father was a very well known doctor, and he had a really really huge practice and whatever. And I realized early on that if I wanted to do this thing, I kind of wanted to do it my way. I didn't want to be mm. you know my dad's son kind of thing. Right? Yeah. So I paid for my own education. Uh, I went I went to work wow. and to get a good job and and to have the the money I needed to go to school, I was able to get a job at Lockheed. But let me tell you how I did this. Um, I went to Lockheed. This is when I was in, in Elm Valley. Went to Lockheed and Lancaster. And I was there at 7.30 in the morning when they opened up. And I said, like an application? Oh, yeah, sure. So I filled an application. And the woman's telling me, well, you know, we're not hiring right now. We'll probably be hiring like in August. And this was like in March. So I said, well, that's, that's no problem. I'll be back. Well, okay. So they took the application. So the next morning I was there again. And she goes, Oh, you put the, you were in here yesterday. I said, yeah, I, I'd like to fill in another application. And she goes, well, we filled one out yesterday. I said, I'll do another one. It's okay. He goes, we're not hiring. I said, no, I, I get it. I was there every single day at 730 in the morning for three weeks. I, every day I filled another application and she got six in me. One day I, I filled it out and I'm walking out to my car and this guy comes, hey, hey, hold on. He comes running out after me. He goes, you've been here every day for the past week. I said, well, three weeks actually. He goes, <laughs> Come on in here. Come on in here. So went to his office and he's like flipping through some stuff and he makes a, a couple of calls and he goes, do you like computers? And I said, well, I don't know anything about computers. I was going to go into medicine. He goes, well, um, we have an opening for a computer tech that you know, kind of will uh, be in our position. Sure. Let's do it. So I went down to Burbank and started there as a uh, computer operator on an old mainframe. Wow. It, get this. 64K of actual core memory. Real core memory for all the nerds yeah. out there. Pay attention. Oh yeah, we, we had this huge telemetry system that would fly the aircrafts uh, over in the desert, and then do all the radio analysis back in Burbank where I was working, and that's what the computers did. You know, so I was like putting up tape, you know, tapes, and I'd have to put packs of disks in, and I'd have to issue all the commands for the things they did. You know, and I learned the computer doing that, and literally picked a book and I started reading about how to do all this stuff, and uh, then I started learning about coding. And all the people there were coding, Good were coders. You. And so I started writing code and they would show me how to do various things or whatever, kind of picked it up. And uh, at that point, computers were just coming into the, the home, like the, the TRS-80 Model 1, you know, was, was available. And so I wrote a, some stuff of that and started writing games. I was writing stuff for Atari at one time. And I mean, there's not a modern language I haven't written in. Everything from literally machine language down, I've written things in binary, you know, ones and zeros all the way up to modern, uh, huge packages. So what are you writing today? Uh, most of the stuff I do now is in.net. It's all, uh, yeah. Like we saw with exactly. Yeah, the whole thing is, is.net. I mean, of course we do a lot of, uh, you know, Java and a lot of angular and stuff in, in the office and stuff too. So, 
By the way, slick refresh. The UI looks much better. Yeah, the whole the whole experience is a lot sharper since we first started kind of chatting about Rankopedia when we, when we all first met. Well, thank you, by the way. And, you know, I was I was really moved by some of the things you told me when we, we first got him. You guys have a really good sense of style. I mean, look at, Keith, look at your backdrop. Come seriously. Thank you. You know? For but, sure. But yeah, that was really helpful. And we actually, we've got a fantastic UX UI guy on now for that reason, because I didn't Beautiful. have the skill. Obviously. Wonderful. We brought it on. I, I love hearing this. Uh, and and it shows because we can see it on your website today. It looks, uh, feels, and it works a lot more smoothly uh, than it did. So kudos Thank you to so you much. Appreciate that. Really do. From you guys, I mean. Yeah, man. What, so tell us the story of like the uh, the development of Rankopedia. So you got out of Ticketmasters, uh, you built that up, exited, you handed it off to a team, um, as you stated before. What, where did the medical school, the, the doctor come into play, you know, getting, getting your uh, PhD and then, and then how did the transition into building Rankopedia? And then I'd also like to touch into uh, BAM Productions if we can and, and see where they are, but yeah, let's, sure. let's keep on this coding path and, and the software, uh, technology solutions based business. Yeah. It's, it's a little complicated. So, so much overlay and all this stuff. So, uh, Obviously, I, I was working at Lockheed, and uh, I started medical school about, about that time. And of course, that's a lot of lot of time. I was playing uh, two different bands. I was teach, I was uh, tutoring in uh, microbiology and physiology, and of course, going to med school and then working. You know what I could you know, what I could get in really. So I realized that that it wasn't flexible enough to keep working if I wanted to do those other things. So um, I left. And I actually started a company called Personal Computer Training Center. I was, you know, the very first time when we started having PCs out there, training people how to use and actually how to program computers too. Uh, and that you know, kind of beget a number of other companies along that line, uh, Micromagic and some other ones that came up. Mm. So um, that, all that kind of carried the experience into what became Full Spectrum Technologies. Full Spectrum is a company that we were doing all kinds of, stuff, a lot of coding work, a lot of integration work. Uh, we were at, at the time before you uh, ever had the idea of integrating like your refrigerator with the internet. We, we were doing that kind of stuff. Mm. If you had two devices, they would talk, we would build drivers for them and, and things that, uh, that only manufacturers did. So we kind of filled that gap. Users. Very cool. That full spectrum was all about that security. We were doing things like, inter, uh, like uh, grabbing and hiding data inside intersector marks and uh, disks and things like that. I mean, just a lot of uh, high-end security things. And then also knowing how to go out and get it and doing security reviews, another part of the, the company. So it, it was a large myriad of, of different kinds of processes we went through, but the coding was always part of it throughout that point. Mm. Now, the, the hard part, the curious part is that um, I was actually brought on uh, by the original developers of uh, Ticketmaster, Gordon M. Gunn III and uh, Tom Hart and another team and, and to put this all together. Now, keep in mind, it was such a strange skill set because this was a time you didn't have computers. You, know, you were you were setting up like your uh, tickets to the the local arena via the telephone. So we had to have a way of picking up the DTMF phone uh, uh, tones on a phone. D D D D when you when you press the numbers to know what they were. You know, and we had to have software to manage that, etc. Mm -hmm. So we had a hardware team and software team, and then the management and the and the database components of it, etc. And uh, that went really well in uh, Albuquerque and some areas there, and. Uh, and then that was sold, and we started another company called Good Impressions, which was more about uh, some medical software. Uh, it was about other kinds of application software and, and support. Uh, and that you know went for a while, and then of course uh, that later on became what is now Full Spectrum and what have you. So lots of different, wow. different threads of linearness here. 
when you get to uh, to BAM Productions and Remington Publications, the uh, for the books, that kind of happened linearly uh, in another thread of my life. In that, you know, I realized like dating uh, dating sex relationships, there's a science to it, and it's stuff that they don't teach you. Somehow you're just supposed to just pick it up, right? Well, you know, I, I realized that early. There must be a formula. There must be some way to do this. Yeah. So I began doing research, you know, and especially here in LA. Did you, did you Google mean, it or like what was the form of research? You had to go to the library or ask people around you? I, or? Wish. I, I went to, I went to the uh, school of hard knocks, you know, I went in and got my head bashed in, you know, I would try things. Love it. Literally just, just to see if they were going to work. And when they didn't work, okay, well, I, re- I remember that. And I noted down or whatever. Mm. And I went in and I just, like, I got my teeth kicked in over and over and over again. And by being stupid, I became smart, literally. And that's- There's a lot to that in life. You're not wrong. Try, try, Isn't try. Is that half a life right there? You're better off trying something that doesn't work than doing nothing at all every time. You bet. Every time. And and figure out what that failure was, reflect on it, and change for the next round <laughs> Don't every single time. And I think it- and it harks on your earlier point too. It's the agile development process for for dating and uh, and and talking to women, right? <laughs> for all you nerds out that's there, you'll exactly know what that it. is. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm your scrum master. So, <laughs> hey, have, have you ever heard it? I, I am the gatekeeper, like, man. So, so wh- where is so Bam Productions, you know, and uh, your publication? What what came first? So you're you went to medical school, you started your practice, you've been writing software. Um, how long did you practice in the medical industry, and and what was the uh, what what are you a doctor of? I've actually got two doctorates. Wow. Um, my my first doctorate's in chiropractic. Okay. Um, I, and I've. I have never, I, uh, I practiced in clinic, of course, but at the time that I was done with, uh, with that, I realized, okay, I didn't want to be my, my doctor, uh, my dad's son. So I went ahead and I started another company and went and stayed with technology. So you know, I still adjust. In fact, it's funny when you get together and do these, these retreats with the company and the first hour I'm doing nothing but adjustments for everybody, right? You know, it's that kind of stuff. But, uh, so, so that, that, you know, Following the technology was really that that whole lineage. I mean, mm. getting the you know, knowing the medicine stuff was important, but and that helps you think and helps you understand things. But it's not really about the practice so much. Right. The uh, with the other companies, Bam Productions, whatever, those came up again uh, starting about 1998, 99 when I began publishing my first works, mm-hmm. uh, and that grew. I can see, like I said, a couple more on my shoulder. And we'll link so, those in the show notes as well, so so people have access to those and and check those out. Yes. Probably yeah, link them to me. These these are uh, these are available, but we're not really selling them today. Gotcha. They're but they are available. If people want them, let, let me know. I'll get you, get okay. you copies of cool. them. No problem. Yeah. All right, but for it, sure. but the, this this uh, product, is, in fact, the entire product line. There there are sixteen books in this product line. Oh, okay. Um, they're still currently available. Oh. They're actually very current. Uh, but they're again, still applicable not, today, huh? Absolutely. Even you even- know what. Even in a dating world, so like, you know what I mean? Uh, or a, a digital world, um, especially with like the coronavirus where people aren't meeting up because I, I've, you know, did a little research, obviously, and uh, watched some of the, you, you've got a pretty funny uh, YouTube channel and, and it's also very helpful. Um, oh, man. <laughs> like what you, what was the little series you guys did? Like the 10, 20 second clips of like what you know or something like that or oh. like, the more you know. The more you know. That's it. Those yeah. were pretty funny. But you also you know, had know. some pretty candid conversations with some uh, individuals and 
the life of dating. And, and actually I saw one where you had two guys in a room and you were, you were kind of coaching them up a little bit, just talking to them about, you know, some strategies, et cetera, of, of just honestly, like the anti one-liners pickup lines. And it's more just being yourself and, and just being able to build that confidence up and, and acting within the first three seconds. Right. And just getting up and going, not thinking about it. Don't talk yourself out of it. But if you see a pretty woman and you want to go, go and talk to him. And I guess nowadays, if you see a pretty man, if that's what you're into, cool. Uh, same thing I'm sure applies. In fact, they're probably more receptive as I can't go down Hollywood Boulevard, you know, in, in North, or South Hollywood. I can't do it, man. I get eaten alive. So gentlemen, yeah, dude, like it's right now that for the if you ever want to feel <laughs> the feeling that women get, if they're in a nice, you know, tight outfit of sorts and, or, you know, at gym out gym attire and you see these just crazy sharks roaming around staring, whistling, etc. man, if if you're a semi, even just semi decent looking individual, go to North Hollywood, get dressed up a little bit and look at the looks that you get in the whistles and like you feel the full spectrum of what it is to be a woman. And it's not a pretty sight. It's pretty intimidating, to be honest. So, you know, on the other hand, too, look, I, I, how can you really not appreciate the fact that somebody appreciates you? <laughs> and that's the you other know, side it, of the coin. You know, right. If you look, if you look at it, I, th- I see it as a compliment. Yeah, well, it is a compliment. It really is. I mean, and it doesn't mean you have to react to it or, or anything else. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? The reality is that, you know, look, if people, people have, everybody is this, is this weird mix of personality and, and conflict and all kinds of stuff going on. Everybody is different. In that. Yeah, that's and right. You, and there's nothing wrong with appreciating that. It's okay. Doesn't mean that you have to let it af- uh, affect you negatively. Just. Absolutely. And and why should it ever? You know, if a dude checks me out, hell yeah, that's awesome, say, man. Have you, you seen look that apple that I have in my ass, man? <laughs> yeah. Bounce a quarter off the damn thing, that's what I'm saying. You know what? I've got a challenge right now. Why don't the three of us stand up and let's find oh. out who's not wearing pants? I'm gonna I'm gonna lose that one. <laughs> oh shit. Dr. Dennis, yeah, exactly. pour yourself you a go. beverage. Let's get you sauced <laughs> up, my man. Pants off and listen. Uh, just a just a cool breeze, solid take. <laughs> hey, you know, correct. I want to make sure that somebody said this is really important. Everybody always gives this advice about dating: just be yourself. You know what? It's a lie. That's what that's what people tell people that don't have any other advice. Here's why. Thanks for tuning in to part one with Dr. Dennis Netter. Was an absolute doozy talking all things technology, such as how he built his companies and then when he transitioned out of them. That was a really interesting point in his perspective, uh, even to dating and uh, his, his tips for a more meaningful relationship and even just more fun with your general partner. And uh, it was it was pretty fun having him being open and honest about all of those experiences and also just his general perspective on life. I uh, really liked it. And I think he's got some really good things uh, that he brings to the table. And I hope that you enjoyed part one. Look forward to part two next week. So tune in next week. 
We'll be dropping that probably next Friday. Also, please, if you could show us some support, if you like what we're doing, show us some support. Go to Apple Podcast, subscribe, maybe even leave a five-star review and a comment on there. Just let us know how we're doing. It'll uh, it'll help stimulate that algorithm so we can start getting more views and, uh, and really trying to bring this thing to the next level. If you listen to other platforms such as Spotify, also go there, subscribe, and uh, yeah. Thank you for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. And any support is uh, very welcomed and much appreciated. So thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you next week. Ciao.